We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Key, president of Pioneer X. Today, I'm here with Marsha and Josh. Hi, I'm Marsha Bivens, director of marketing. Hi, I'm Josh Holland, vice president of clinical strategy. And today, we are here with the Bob Lomanek. Hello. This is we always Bob. get started here. We, we started <laughs> without you, Bob. I love the way this thing is started. You a, know, you, I tune in and we're having vodka drinks. We're talking already. about vodka, yeah. You yeah. know, we, when we first envisioned the podcast, we were we were thinking, well, you know, drinks. all of us were a little. Um, we need a little warming up. Let's put it that way, right? Yeah. And, and when we first started doing this, and so we decided, hey, this really needs to be um, like happy hour, right? We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we send our guests to drink. We have it's, we it's we, we start off mixing somewhere. our favorite. Um, alcoholic beverage and show you how it's done and then we go from there but it didn't happen somebody I like it almost happened today i, I think i think <laughs> I, I think i think i got it almost happened today <laughs> so bob you, you tell a story about how your son tra- saw a transformation and 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 that so one time you're really stressed out and, and and now you seem like you're enjoying your life was that when you started drinking two scotches tonight <laughs> That's that's what I upped it to four. Okay. <laughs> maybe maybe so. Yeah. I was like, we always thought that was MedSync, but now hey, it's coming all together. <laughs> I'm giving my secret away. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. So how are you? We had a uh, we had Jordan on the program. She did amazing. So oh, she's super. She she's is. Super. Uh, you are super super lucky to have her. You better her. believe it. You better believe it. So uh, I've got, I, you know, we'll get into all of that. But I have some great smart people that that are around me and i you know that's what it takes i think is uh uh getting the right people in the in the right places on the you know right seat on the bus as they say yep and uh i've been very fortunate i've got you know jordan was and we'll we'll talk about that jordan was uh and she mentioned a little bit on her her podcast uh uh i had never uh, she's in charge of my residency program she practices here twice a week and with the university and I had never had that marriage with the university pharmacy, the pharmacy school, like I do now, and had always wondered about it, but didn't think I was really qualified to be a part of that. And once we started doing a lot of the things we're doing, they reached out to me and said, "Bob, you need a residency program." And I was scared to death. You know, I, I just didn't think I was qualified to. I wasn't educated enough to run a clinical program, so. When my my first resident rolled in, and I told him, I said, "You guys got to hold my hand. I, you know, I'm I'm scared to death of this thing. You got to, you know, I'm open to doing it. Uh, I don't mind stepping out of my comfort zone, and and if if it'll benefit everyone and, and the profession mainly." Three months into the first residency program, I realized this is the greatest thing in the world, and it had a lot to do with Jordan leading that. I mean, she she. She and I, you know, she sees my vision, you know, of uh, incorporating clinical services into a high volume community pharmacy uh, and doing it efficiently. And, and that's ex- exactly what we've done. And her leadership has been unbelievable with that. So not only 
working with me and guiding me because of the things I didn't know about the clinical services. The business side of it, I obviously I've got a handle on that, but then working that clinical uh, business model into it, but not knowing how to do the clinical stuff and right. having their expertise. Yeah, was just it was just the answer. And and three months into my first program, I said, "This is it. This is so cool." So uh, she she is. And and she accepted the job. I think she told this story. I went over to uh, to a CPSN meeting, I think, over in the South Carolina before she had made her mind up to come to Ole Miss and accept this job. And I knew that she was interviewing, and I was told not to mention it because they didn't know whether she had told whoever whatever she was doing at that time. So she, they said, don't, don't mention it to her. Well, I was in a meeting, and uh, we went around and introduced ourselves. And after the meeting, she pulled me aside and said, Hey, I've got it. She opened the door. She said, I've got an opportunity to come to home. And we talked for a while. And she told me later, said that that chance meeting with you is what made, made her decision because I guess the vision I had for community pharmacy and she just loved it. And it's, it's been great. Well, you have a heavy dose of charisma too, so that doesn't hurt. So uh, I just speak my, speak my mind. mind. uh, All right. So, so this is going to be a fun one to do here because, because anytime I'm everywhere and I say, Bob Lomanek, Marsh always goes, the grandfather of MedSync. And, and so, <laughs> that's... Godfather, Godfather. I Godfather. Godfather. I Godfather. Godfather. I don't say grandfather. No. He is a grandpa now. Okay. Yeah. No. Sorry about that. Godfather. No. Godfather. <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that out. <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty funny. So tell us, you were around when, when this whole thing got kicked off with, with, with pharmacy, so... Kind of tell us, what's the history of MedSync? Tell us the history of, of MedSync in the world through Bob Lomanak's eyes. I've told this story, and you may have heard it, and but I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have not. Uh, I got into it for selfish reasons. Uh, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago, I had I had three pharmacies, uh, you know, high volume, fairly high volume, decent volume pharmacies, and I was practicing every day, and I was miserable. I absolutely hated what I was doing. Um, you know, I, I don't have to paint you guys a picture. You see it all the time of what, what these pharmacies are going through. You don't have time to talk on a telephone. You don't have time to eat lunch. You don't have time to talk to people, really. It's just a constant. Everything you do all day long is interrupted. Doesn't matter what it is, it's interrupted. And I was just miserable. And, and I went home one evening after I closed the store, and I went into an empty house by my wife and and kids were gone probably to a ball game that I couldn't attend because I was married to the pharmacy, you know. And so I didn't turn into the TV on. I just sit down on the sofa. With your bottle of scotch. And, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> With my first drink of scotch. Yeah. And uh, I thought, this is not exactly how I thought my career was going to go. I'm just not happy. I don't like this. And I just said, what I reflected on that day, who was in that day? And of course, in, in communities like Holly Springs, Mississippi, a small community, we know our people, you know, we know everyone. So I reflected on who came in that day. And I thought, well, a lot of those people were in two or three days before that. And a lot of people, those same people were in the week before that. And I'm painting a picture. Y'all know these people were in multiple times throughout the month, getting refills on their maintenance medication and interrupting everything I was doing. So I, I thought, you know, I've got three choices here. I can uh, keep complaining 
and my family and friends were tired of me complaining. You know, I'm, I'm one of those, I got to the point where I was one of those when I'd walk into a room, everybody would leave. You know, we don't want to hear Bob's complaints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the second choice is I could just accept it. Okay, this is the way my life's going to be. And just keep going, try to, try to deal with it. Or thirdly, I could change. Well, then I questioned myself, what was I going to change? And I reflected, reflected back on those patients that were in. I said, why can't these people get all their maintenance medications one time a month? They come to the store one time. And somehow I, come up with a, I, I can come up with a program to where I know in advance several days in advance that they're coming in. So these people taking 10, 12 meds are not standing there looking at me while I'm back there trying to fill their scripts. The phones are ringing. I'm doing all the stuff that I'm doing. And they're wondering what's taking me so long. Why can't I do that? Basically what I was saying is why can't I fill those prescriptions when I want to, not when those patients think they need to get them filled. I was talking about synchronization. I didn't call it that at the time. So, uh, I thought, what this this would solve a lot. Again, selfish reasons. This would make my life so much easier. It would make my day so much easier instead of being interrupted so many times. Selfish thinking. So the next day, I went into my pharmacy, and I went in so excited and told my staff, this is what we're going to do. We're going to come up with a system to where we, uh, I didn't use synchronize, to where we fill all their maintenance medications at one time, and we somehow know in advance that they're coming to you and we'll call them in advance. We'll talk to them about their medications and then we'll fill it on our time when you know, it'll be ready on the date we let the patients know. And my staff says, well, Bob, how are we going to do that? I said, I, I don't have a clue. <laughs> I don't have a clue how we're going to do it. And of course, now with the help of people like Pioneer, we've got systems that'll do it for these pharmacies. And for the life of me, I don't know why in the world every pharmacy doesn't have a sync program or adherence program wouldn't talk about that but anyway that's what i was talking about so we i just trial and error uh and i did it completely wrong the first you know i I set susie up a desk in the back room with a telephone and a computer system and a label printer and the first person that walked in with a sack full of bottles you know 15 bottles you know that was my first candidate which is totally the wrong way to do it nowadays but i didn't know at the time and so, so I went back and told Susie, I said, let's make these run out at the same time. She says, how do I do that, Bob? I said, I, I don't have a clue. Let's just figure <laughs> it out. So we just kept trying. And, and, and yes, we made tons of mistakes. And yes, it was very frustrating at times. Uh, but we, we stayed with it. And there were so many times I wanted to, to just throw in the towel and say, this, this is not worth it. Every time I would think like that, I would think about that night sitting on the sofa by myself. And I'd say to myself, I may not be going the right direction here, but I'm not going back there. I was miserable. Right. So we stayed the course several months into it. Uh, I was in the pharmacy at, at working the bench one day and it was, I don't know, 11, 1130 in the morning. And I punched the number to see how many prescriptions we'd filled. And it was like 250, but I didn't feel like I had touched 10 prescriptions that morning because I thought it was actually very slow in the store. And I went back there on Susie's desk and she had a stack of labels, which was our process at the time where she had called all these sync patients, told them their medications would be ready in whatever time it was then. And then she would come out and the techs would fill them at their leisure. So all of a sudden the chaos in my store was, was, uh, much less, you know, there's still even now with 
3,000 patients almost. There's still a little chaos occasionally, but nothing like it used to be. The phones aren't ringing all the time. We aren't inter- interrupted. So, again, for self- selfish reasons, it did what I wanted to do. It made my life easier. And so, so I've actually got a fun little story that's kind of a, a testament to your process and how it has saved pharmacies. Granted, it uh, so um, we were at PDS and we were taking you to dinner mm-hmm. and there was another pharmacist. I'm not going to say his name. You'll know who I'm talking about. But um, I was meeting you two in the lobby and he got there first. And of course, it's PDS. They're talking about MedSync. And the right. first words out of his mouth were, you know, all this MedSync talk. Why is it my responsibility to make sure the patients take their meds? And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm about to put him in the car with the godfather of sync. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. I was like, oh, I was panicking a little bit. And I was like, okay, maybe I can sit them apart. <laughs> but um, end result, um, and he was taking over for his father's store. He was stepping into that role. But that mindset, his pharmacy is not open today. It is not open today? It is not they're open. Gone. They're gone. Wow. I see, and, and just to, to piggyback on that, Marsha, is I, I, I do a lot of talks about presentations, you know, uh, about synchronization. I do a lot of presentations on synchronization, obviously, and, and um, I'm in demand, and, and that's, that's fun. I'm, I was I'm, in I'm one flattered. Of I think that's our, that was our, our first introduction is I was sitting in on one of yours. And I don't mind sharing. I won't independence especially, I want them to be successful. And I think synchronization is that secret sauce that can lead to so many other things. You know, it's great to say I've got, you know, 3,000 sick patients, but it's what you do with those sick patients that's important. But I have so many pharmacy owners that say something very similar to what this this young man said is, you know, uh, I'm not going to start doing that stuff till they pay me to do it. Or, you know, I don't have time to do all that crap. Well, that was me 12, 10, 12 years ago. I don't have time to do all that crap. Well, looking back on it, what I was actually saying is I don't have time to take care of my patients. I don't have time to run my business. You know, that's that's very wrong in so many ways. So I made that change that night, and, and I basically, you know, and, and what synchronization is, it's not brain surgery, you know. It's just Im- improving efficiencies. You're taking an out of control, uh, an unorganized, unorganized business model and putting some structure to it. I don't care whether it's a lemonade stand or a high volume pharmacy. If you put some structure to a business, it's going to be more efficient. And that's all we did is take those Absolutely. sick patients. Yeah, take those sick patients. I mean, those maintenance medication patients and put some organization to it. So didn't um, so along that time, didn't a university in Mississippi do a research paper or or something. Yeah. Yeah. They actually heard that I was, uh, doing this and, and the, the pharmacy school is, you know, 25 minutes away from me. So they called me and asked me, could, could they pull some data from our dispensing system to follow as we put more patients into synchronization, uh, just, just to see how it was working. You know, you know, I'm friendly with those folks and, and actually it's been a great relationship, uh, even grown more since that was kind of the start of it. So they, the researchers came in and they pull data from my uh, dispensing system. And six or eight months later, maybe a year later, they called me and said, can we come back and pull some data? Because we know you've grown your synchronization program. And I said, well, sure, come on back. And they, they made the statement 
they said, Bob, well, you may not remember this, but when we came, whatever time period it was before then, you were so busy, you couldn't stay in here and talk to us. You were being pulled so many different directions. So fast forward six, eight months of an aggressive synchronization model. She said, uh, the researcher said, you've been in this office for an hour just talking with us about the impact of synchronization. And they said, we already see the impact it's done with you. So what year was that? Gosh, I'm talking 10 years ago. You know, that's maybe, maybe eight to 10 years ago, because I just I'd, I'd gotten into it a little bit. So probably eight years ago. Yeah. You know, it's funny that I, I had this similar kind of experience with MedSync where, you know, I came from corporate pharmacies where they synced your meds and it was really just a glorified autofill. And yep. so when, you know, I came in and Jeff was like, Hey, we, MedSync is the future. I was like, all right. And then I went into a pharmacy here in Plano and I, I thought they, I asked them, I was like, Hey, you guys do what? 50, hundred scripts a day. And they were like, oh, we've done 700 today. Yeah. And you're like, Oh crap. It, it, it really does change the model. Like people don't look frustrated. Like, you know, your typical, you stand behind when I worked at Walgreens, I probably not the right way to do it, but I put a Snickers bar in my tote. And when my conveyor belt got to me, I'd take a bite and then throw it back down. And that's how I ate lunch. Like that's not a way to live, right? Like you can't live like that. Um, by the way, Snickers could sponsor us. I would totally be down for that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's a totally different world of like, I was filling 600 scripts a day at Walgreens like that, and it felt horrible. And you go into a store that's filling 700, and they look happy, and they're talking to patients. And, and they're eating counseling. full meals. <laughs> yeah, they, they take a break for lunch. It's magic, you know, and it yes. really is. You have to see it to really understand how impactful it is. I've got, and by the way, we, we again, going back to the university, we work closely with them. And I had been a preceptor, and still am a preceptor, uh, taking students periodically before my transformation in my business took place. Those students would come in. I was not organized, and I would just throw them in there and fill prescriptions. And uh, anyway, I, it was not a good good situation. Fast forward to now, and I looked just just before we went on air. Is this year, 2021? I'm going to have. 35 students come through my wow. pharmacies. Wow. Yes, yes. Some of them a month at a time, some of them two weeks. Uh, and actually, I had a conversation with, we've got three here right now, and I had a conversation with them. We, we had a burglary at one of my stores, and I wanted to, them to see the things we have to go through on that. So, I'm, you know, I'm trying to teach them something. But anyway, um, we had a conversation, and, and I brought up uh, the culture that, that I've created in, in my pharmacy. And uh, – how it's been a process to do that and that we don't put up with any negative thoughts or, or transactions. And one of the students says, I saw that when I, the first time I walked in the door, I recognized that they said they've been in stores to where behind the counter, they want to slit each other's throats. Said, Bob, your staff is unbelievable. Well, synchronization allows us to have that type of culture. And not want to kill each other. <laughs> not want to kill each other. That's right. So, um, so fast forward, what's going on, what's going yeah, what's, on today? What's new with Bob? What new innovative thing are you bringing into the world of pharmacy to more, make well, it more efficient? We have grown a little bit. Uh, and I kind of laughed when I heard Jordan's podcast that, that there were dry cleaner building right beside the store that 
a friend of mine owned, he owned two cleaners in town and they were two blocks apart. And he said, what am I doing? I need to consolidate. So his building, he called me and said, do you want to buy my building? I didn't want to buy it. And, uh, and I did, I bought it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we've expanded into that. We now have our compliance packaging in, in that it's, it was right next to the, to the pharmacy and I just knocked a hole in the wall and sits basically under the same roof. So we've grown, uh, uh, script volume has continually to, to incline, and I owe it again to, to synchronization. People like the service we provide. But what that that has allowed me to do, fast forward to, to now, as you said, is, uh, again, the, the, the first residency program, my goal was to to combine or mesh the, the clinical services, which is the future of pharmacy, I think, and uh, utilize efficient technology or technology that makes us efficient to do that, which you guys are super pioneers, super to work with. And, and I think on one of your podcasts recently, you said three years ago, you, you decided to go this direction, which I'm, I'm so thankful. So now we're, we're learning how to take these patients and, and care for them. You know, just dispensing of prescriptions is not a care model. You know, if you if you want to fill as many prescriptions as quickly as you can, get the patients out the door and never talk to them, that's not a care model. So we've been working, obviously, with with uh, CPSN. Uh, I'm on the USA board. I'm very, very involved. Flip the pharmacy. and We're doing the fellowship program. Uh, we're involved deeply with that to transform our practice model to to concentrate on taking care of patients. So. We have, you know, we're doing diabetes education, COVID threw a kink in a lot of things. And yep. we're just now starting to get back on our feet. Uh, we were doing a, a diabetes education, doing tons of COVID vaccines right now. Uh, we were, we had a meeting. This was actually, we got kicked this off when COVID just kicked in is we had a, had a leadership meeting and I was talking about, and, and the, the flip the pharmacy cohort at that time was blood pressure. Uh, reporting blood pressure numbers. And we were at a conference table talking and I said, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I've got patients that have been getting blood pressure medications from me for 20 years plus, but we don't know how their blood pressure looks. We don't know what it looks like. You know, whose job is it to monitor that? You know, so we've entered into the, the world, uh, more or less following Amina's footsteps. We've got I've got clinical pharmacists planning it planted in at least uh, four clinics right now. In four clinics, we're doing a we're doing a lot of chronic care management that we can do right here in the pharmacy, and we're doing a lot of remote patient monitoring, which we do right here in the pharmacy. Set them up with a blood pressure cuff, and we're just now rolling out glucose monitors to where the patient checks it at home. We get the readings here. So how wow. does that work? How do they call the? Re how do you get the? How do they do it at home, and you get the readings here? How does that work? We set them up with a, uh, of course, we're in rural Mississippi, and not everybody has Wi-Fi, uh, and I'm embarrassed to say I don't have Wi-Fi at my house. I live six miles out of town, and I don't have Wi-Fi at home. So, uh, But anyway, uh, very limited Wi-Fi, so Austin Crocker, our clinical pharmacist, uh, he did a lot of research, and we found uh, blood pressure cuffs that work on cell cellular service. So the patient, they come into the pharmacy, or we, we set them up in the physician's office, uh, with a blood pressure cuff, train them how to use the blood pressure cuff. They don't have to know anything else. When they check their pressure, it automatically sends us the results. Who's the payer? Who pays for the cuff? 
Uh, it's embedded in the reimbursement that the clinic gets through remote, remote patient monitoring program, and we enter into a contractual arrangement with the with the clinic. So this is a collaborative practice where you're doing exactly. incident too. Okay. So that's yep. so that comes to you guys cellular. Yep. Or comes to some software program. Yep. So are y'all entering that into Pioneer or? We're doing multiple things. Pioneer as well as, uh, obviously we do e-care plans when okay. we have an issue. So with this software program, it's it's pretty cool. It, it will alert it. Now we have to, we, we, we required to get payment to spend 20 minutes a month like CCM uh, visiting with these patients about their blood pressure. So we make calls to them on a regular basis, but it also within the program, it alerts us if, if Marsha's blood pressure is, is easing up over two or three month period, it alerts us. And That's what it's like working again, with him. <laughs> <laughs> and again, we, we have it, we have the ability and, and this is something that's, that's, um, I think pretty forward thinking is the, the clinics have given us access to their electronic health records. So we can actually go into the patient's electronic health record and make recommendations we don't have collaborative practice agreement yet in Mississippi. They just signed it into law. July first, we'll oh, be able yay. to make our own change. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're moving forward. We're usually last in everything, but uh, we're able to go into the patient's electronic health record from here in the store, make suggestions or alert the physician. Then he can call us back with suggestions or whatever. So, you know, patients usually go to their their primary care guy to their, to their physician's office every six months, especially these Medicare patients. A lot can happen in six months. Yep. That's why I think remote patient monitoring is so cool that we can catch a lot of issues before they become major issues. Yeah, and even bigger, something, a lot of things could happen the first month they start taking a new medication. Yep. Right. right. Really so the that, first couple that, of days. Yeah, that first six months after a new vacation, a, a new medication can be, can be critical. You know, it all it all goes back to to patient care. It all ties in together. The the synchronization model, the adherence model, where we're contacting a patient every month. We're already calling them every month. Now we're just rolling in another feature. You know, we concentrate on on or focus on uh, patients with uh, high blood pressure and get them a blood pressure cuff. Now we're going to roll out diabetes patients in in Mississippi. Obviously, we've got a diabetes issue, so we start monitoring them. But but the point is communication. We're constantly communicating with the patient. One of the favorite thing one of the favorite things I like to say is communication, proper communication, and I used to say solves a lot of problems, but actually proper communication prevents a lot of problems that non communication causes. Right. When one of the cool things about doing that with the sync piece is that now you have a relevant thing to talk about. You're not just calling yes. them to say, hey, on Tuesday, you're going to come pick up your meds. You've got a real conversation to have now. Yep. Are you doing any A1C um, when they come in the pharmacy? <laughs> we have the ability to do A1Cs, but again, we're not having any collaborative. That's going to change after okay. July. We could get a, We don't have a collaborative practice agreement. We, you know, do you, we can. Do you see any change in Mississippi? You know, one of the things we're seeing now is this, um, this wave of PBM legislation going through the country. I think. Texas just passed one uh, right. yesterday. Zero, absolutely no votes against it in either the right. House or the Senate. Everybody voted for it, and, and pretty aggressive um, legislation. I think mm -hmm. Alabama was the one right before that, and I think right. Georgia's passed something. And um, it, it has seemed that there've been times it's been a little hard to get things done in Mississippi, pharmacy wise, and 
some of that under the auspice of them trying to protect small businesses versus big business, I think, in their mind. Do, do you see that changing any? You think that's going to get better? Uh, if we're persistent enough, I think it will get better. But I've run into several obstacles, and I won't get into a lot of them now. If we can, off, off record sometime. Uh, they're still slow to change. I'll just I'll just put it that way. Yep. Very slow to change. There, but I, I I do see some progress. The, the collaborative practice law is is progress. And by the way, we were one of the states that pra- uh, that passed a law last year uh, on the PBM, the the anti steering and and a, and a lot of other issues that we're facing the pricing. But who's who's enforcing it? That's that's where I I'm seeing you. an issue is who's going to enforce that and and will our state board stand up and and back us and are, are the PBM so powerful that that we won't get anything done so you know this PBM battle the DIR battle that's definitely battles we need to continue to fight I, I totally agree with that that's important reimbursement rates I get that but I, I don't think we needed to wear blinders and focus on nothing but that yeah right. this you know and I quote Joe Moose we want to start getting paid differently get outside I love yep. to do his pie chart get outside of that PBM model and get into clinical services and uh well what we're doing right here is created a a revenue stream that I quite frankly it's 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 you know much better than I ever thought and there's no DIR fees associated with that right. so we you know I first took a chance of hiring my resident to 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 run a clinical services model and now we've hired our second. We've actually got two and a half clinical pharmacists on board now in in a uh, three year period. It's crazy. Yeah, that, that you, yeah. you hear Amina saying, "Hey, I get them in here and I tell them to come up with a business model, and if they right. if they can come up with a business model, they have a job." Like, That's like exactly that. what happened. That's exactly what yeah. happened. So, well, um, when when you get to like Amina, she's like collecting people. I think she's got eleven or so now. So yeah, you can yeah challenge. Be like, come on. No, it's a, I was in a, um, a innovations board meeting. It was super controversial because it was being consumed by DR fees. And I was like, guys, you know, DR fees could go away today. We still have a problem. You're basing, getting, you're basing doing services based on a percentage of a product whose cost is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, right? Yeah. And it, it's gonna, it's got to change. We should be talking about services and exactly like things that you're not getting DR fees for. Um, right. You don't see people putting a lot of extra things into a commodity, right? It's- right. Exactly. And and this is one thing I've been saying a lot lately is is we will never get away from dispensing. Uh, the product is what engages the patient. That's how right. you, you know, that, that engages the patient. But the dispensing model as it is now, and I'm working on, y'all want to know what Bob's up to, I'm working on uh, and you may know a little bit about it, Jeff, and well, all of you, that I'm working on ways of making my dispensing more efficient because our volume, sink volume is so big that my techs are filling of those prescriptions is getting in the way of what I'm wanting to do, and that's provide health care for my patients, getting them enrolled in my diabetes program, the, the hypertensive program, the diabetes program, teaching my techs training them up to where they can have these critical conversations with these patients instead of having their head down, just filling prescriptions all day long. So, uh, the product has still got to be there, but I can't totally focus on DIR fees and dispensing fees. That's important. As I said, I'm not, I'm not making light of it, but we've got to start thinking bigger, thinking bigger. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm going to rewind it here. Um, I mean, if you kind of back and forth, 
We're telling a story Give it in a two different timelines. That's right. I've seen you've seen movies like that. Yeah, they just okay, kind of settle down. You're watching the movie, and then all of a sudden it's back in time, and then you're watching the movie, and all of a sudden it's current, and it's back in time, and it's current. So, so I think it's appropriate that we switch time zone times and people. So go ahead with the past. So I guess like the number one question that we ask um, a lot of pharmacists that we interview is, um, you know, what got what how did you get started? What inspired you to go into pharmacy? We went straight into the business business and we didn't even get to learn about Bob, the person. Okay. Okay. So I grew up in a, in a little community in Mississippi. Uh, it's actually where Chris Corneliuson is from. I grew up in Iuka, uh, which is where his story is. It's up on the Tennessee river. And, uh, when I, at, at the time in Mississippi, you could get your driver's license at 15 years old. So when I turned 15, my parents says, you go out and get a job. And I had a friend of mine, his parents owned a local pharmacy. And I went into the pharmacy and, and they hired me to do deliveries, to clean up. And uh, that's how I got started in a community pharmacy in rural Mississippi. And the, the, the owner of the store, he was there, of course, but he also had a, a young pharmacist right out of school that took a liking to me. And I liked him. And uh so over the years, uh, all holidays and, and summers, I was in that pharmacy working, and he encouraged me to, to go to pharmacy school. And my goal, as, when I went into pharmacy school, I wanted to own my own pharmacy. Uh, even in pharmacy school, I would go back to Iuka on, on weekends and holidays and work in that pharmacy. And when I got out, uh, I got an a opportunity to, to work in a pharmacy uh, just south of Memphis, and then it led into a, a, another position in a very high-volume pharmacy just outside of Memphis. And I got to know my wholesale drug rep really well. He and I liked each other, and, and apparently he saw some potential. And in Holly Springs, Mississippi, Tyson Drugs, which was, at the time was owned by two older guys, they were partners, and they were looking for some young guy to bring in to take over the business. And so my wholesale rep suggested me – and I came down and talked to him, and I came came down and joined the staff here at Tyson Drugs a long time ago. And they did exactly what they intended to do. They gradually got out of the business and retired, and, and I took over. At the time, it was one store, and I've grown it into, well, I've got four now. Wow. That's amazing. And um, I, I see a lot on Facebook, um, your daughter, Erin, and uh, mul- new, multiple new grandbabies over the last several yeah. years. Yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, four years ago, I had no grandkids. Now I've got four. So uh, <laughs> so they they went to work pretty fast. I've got two older sons. and They figured and, out some oh, kind of med, some kind of sync program for having sink, babies. They synced, all, yeah. they synced all those babies up. That's exactly what they did. Sync, sync my babies. <laughs> yeah, sync my babies. <laughs> Look what they did. Every 13 yeah. months. And so my daughter, Erin, uh, yes, she is in early entry pharmacy program at Ole Miss, and, uh-huh. uh, and I think I know what you're referring to, and it's just totally shocked me. She's taking organic chemistry, and she's not in pharmacy school yet. She's taking organic chemistry just with, at the university level with three to 400 other students. Wow. And uh, Yeah, and so she, uh, during this semester, she would, come, she, she would come home on weekends or occasionally. She's, she's close enough. She comes home on a regular basis, but she would have a big organic chemistry exam and she was bragging. She says, well, I made a 98 and the class average was, you know, 55. 
And I said, well, that's, I'm, yeah, congratulations. I'm proud of you. I know you can do it and, and blah, 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 blah. I said, but you sound like to me you're bragging a little bit. Let's kind of, you know, <laughs> let's kind of hold that down. Well, fast forward until about 10 days ago, I get this post on Facebook and this message. Aaron Lominick awarded the Organic Student of the Year Award for University of Mississippi. The entire class, she was number one. Wow. And wow. I, nice. Yes, I said, you can brag now, baby. You can brag you now. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. on the internet. You can brag yeah. now. I can't even spell organic chemistry I anymore. Spell. I did not like chemistry. And then also yeah. your two boys. I see you play golf a lot with them. Yeah. Uh, they uh, One's out in Denver. I don't get to see him like I want to, but the other one's close by. He actually lives in Oxford. So they're both attorneys. I was so in hopes they would make an honest living, but they're both lawyers. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, yes, I enjoy seeing them and, of course, seeing the grandkids. I don't get to see them as much anymore or like I want to. Uh but the ones in Denver, it's such a treat when I get to see them. So, uh, yeah, I, I tell you, I'm enjoying myself now. I, I think that's just, this is where this is going. Mm-hmm. Back, in, <laughs> yeah. back, in my, back in my, you know, previous life, I was absolutely miserable. And that's exactly why both of my older boys did not go into pharmacy because they didn't want to live like I did. And that's a, that's a quick story. I tell my second one graduated in, in computer science after I started the synchronization after I transformed my business and started running it instead of it running me. It was a couple of years after that. He graduated in December in computer science and he came up from school and we went Christmas shopping and we stopped and had lunch. His name is John Travis. I call him JT. I said, JT, what do you, what do you plan to do with the rest of your life? You've graduated in computer science. And he said, well, I'm thinking about going back to pharmacy school. And I was stunned. I said, what has happened to you? He said, no, dad, what has happened to you? You're fun again. You actually come down to Oxford and yeah, you're fun again. And he said, you come down to Oxford and care to dinner. When I call the pharmacy, you can actually talk to me. And when we, when we come to your house, when you come home from work, we don't run to the other end of the house to get away from you because you're so irritable. What's going on? <laughs> I knew what it had done or started doing for my business. But at that moment, I realized what it had done for me personally. Mm-hmm. It changed. It changed my life, and I'm. That's not. That's a fact. That actually happened, and I was just stunned. But that's. that's but he ended up going bit, to law. Pardon me. He ended up being a lawyer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It was. That, I, I can to, tell you every time I look at a contract, and I look at contracts way too much. I think I envision a life that I would hate. Let me just yeah. tell you. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. I don't know that they. He's a intellectual property attorney in Denver, and I didn't know what that meant. Probably a good. I mean, getting a that's the one that got the computer science degree. Yep. Yeah, that, yep. that's. Nice. I mean, that's that's, that's a good probably, idea. Probably. Uh, um, he likes money, so yeah. maybe the the, <laughs> yep. the the money makes it okay. <laughs> he actually, before he graduated, is when I started synchronization, and he may still have it banked away somewhere. But for his senior project. He, he created a tool for me to use in synchronization that I could plug the number of tablets a patient had and then the due date and the dosage, and it would calculate exactly how many hours. Of course, you have that in Pioneer now, but right, anyway, right. He, he created that out as his project, which I thought was pretty cool at the time. You ask Amina, what are you, how many patients do you have on MedSync? And she goes, what do you mean? That's, that's what we do. How many patients do you have on MedSync? <sighs> I, I kind of threw a number out, probably 3,000, wow. but yeah, 
but so it's, it's MedSync. That's what you do. That's what we do. That's our yep. normal way of doing business. And, and by the way, I have, you know, referring back to what a conversation we were talking about earlier, so many pharmacies do not want to do MedSync. I have pharmacies come in from all over the nation to see what we do. You know, when I do a presentation somewhere, you know, it piques their interest. They want to learn how to do it. And 100% of them say, Bob, you could have talked to us for two weeks, but until we actually see it in motion, mm-hmm. we got yep. a lot of moving parts here. Y'all, y'all been here, you know, yep. mm-hmm. got a lot of moving parts. The, the store owners that, that, that come in here, uh, they said we could have never envisioned exactly how it worked till we see what you do. Not that I have a perfect program, but it's a great start for someone who's not doing anything. And it's an eye opener as well. So many of them have left and gone back and been extremely successful because of what they learned here. And by the way, I've got a more organized because the demand was there before COVID and I anticipate it coming back a more organized process of training these patients. So, uh, are these store owners, is that something but inv- you, you charge for or that we're going to start charging a little bit for it yep. because it's tying my staff up for most of the I, time. I, think it's valid. I mean, I think yeah. it's yeah. huge. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. it, when you're kind of a leader at something and Joe Moose is the same play, you know, there's always people in his store trying to figure out how they do stuff. And I, I think it is reasonable to be compensated for, for that time. Yeah, just no different than you, you're teaching and speaking at NCPA and that. I mean, that's your time too. Um, yeah. But what what would you say is your, like, first, someone who wants to get started in MedSync, what's the first thing that they should do? What's your words of wisdom? Well, the first thing I need to t- that I always tell them is, is don't feel intimidated because they, they, they just feel so overwhelmed on the beginning. And, and I actually was, was uh, working with a, a peer of mine that, that went to PDS's sync training, which I, you know, my opinion is a little different on that. But anyway, he went to, <laughs> to that and came back and he says, I'm going to put, um, so I've got a list. We're going to put 130 patients on it this first week. And I said, that's the worst thing you can do. You know, you don't, you want to start with two or three patients your first week and get right. comfortable with it. And so I, I tell them to gradually work into it. Then as they get comfortable, they can grow more and more patients. And what happens, and I learned this, from from experiences, what happens? People, patients, uh, store owners will go back to their store and start a sync program, and after about four months, and this goes back to what you said about Amina. You know, how many do you have in sync? Well, uh, all of them. You know, right? You know, you know, you know I, I can add them up, but it's all of them. It's, they should be in a sync program, but uh, they go back to their pharmacies and they'll start enrolling sync patients, and they'll get up to between 50 and 100 patients, and they'll call me and say, Bob, you said this was supposed to be easy. This is terrible. This is awful. It's so stressful. Well, what's happening is they've got however many hundreds and hundreds of patients, they're still doing it the same way, and then when these sync patients come up, it's it's a different way of doing it, and, and it's, right. it's, it's troublesome. So they've got to continue to move that needle to where, as Amina, and, and, and I say, to where it's their normal way of doing business, you know, then, then the few patients that aren't in the sink, they're the odd guys, you know? So you got to work through that back to what you asked me, uh, Marsha is they've got to be patient. They got to work through that. They're going to have some speed bumps, but they got to work through it. Yeah. You hear pharmacy. Oh, we tried that a couple of times. It didn't work. You know, yeah. Yeah. we always tell me, you know, till you get above 40% or so of your scripts, you're yep. not going to see the light, you know, and, until, and yep. having a bottle of scotch at night doesn't hurt either. Yeah. That doesn't hurt yeah. at all. Doesn't <laughs> hurt at all. <laughs> you know, that you have to have some really good senior techs that champion the program, right? We see a lot of mm-hmm. pharmacy owners with like, 
oh yeah, we do MedSync and they're the only one who cares about it or drives it, it doesn't work. No. No, and that's that great point. We 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 learned the hard way. We would have one person in charge of it. It, it was a tech actually, and when that tech's gone or on vacation, it blew the whole sync program. So now we we do we really work hard at cross training. Every one of my team members knows exactly what to do at any point. You know, they they can take a patient and roll them in sync. It's like tying a shoe for us now. So uh, I learned that because of what you just said. You know, one person knows it. It's it's uh, it's not good. It's not good. Any other godfatherly advice for um, for running a great pharmacy? Join CPSN. <laughs> yeah, join CPSN, no doubt. You know, I think pharmacy owners fall into one of three categories. Uh, a lot of them <laughs> older, like myself, uh, maybe they want to. They they see they need to change dispensing. It's not a care model. I think if you're focusing on that DIR fee and just dispensing fees, that's a that's a race to the bottom. Uh, like your guy said that we went to dinner with that, and he's gone now because that's right. all he focused mm-hmm. on. I think if you focus on just that, uh, uh, that, that's you know a disaster waiting to happen. So I think they they want some of them want to do something, and maybe they're embarrassed. They don't know what to do. They don't know who to reach out to. And then there's some that that just say, uh, uh, you know, I, I want to. I want to do something. Who do I reach out to? There's there's some of them that are searching. They're the ones that come here to learn how to sync. They're the ones that go to, they're they're trying to figure this thing out. And then you got those who are just, just in a rut. They don't care. They're not going to do anything. They're ready to sell out to CVS or Walgreens or heaven forbid or something like that. So we've got to, to figure out a way, in my opinion, to, to, to transform these patients. They don't, I mean, these store owners, they don't know how to go from dispensing only to clinical services. They don't know how to do what I've done for the past 10 years, try to mesh it in. Well, that's what CPSN and Flip the Pharmacy, that Flip the Pharmacy program is superb at taking the trend. It, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a two-year model yep. of training these pharmacies how to convert over to that care model, to that care center. So you, you bring up an interesting point, and that's pharmacies that, I mean, like you said, that one pharmacist who just his mindset wasn't in it and now has, he's closed. And then other pharmacies closing off to CVS and Walgreens selling off. And that's one of the things that we're starting to kind of see and go, you know, how can we, you know, save independent pharmacy if they just keep giving up and selling to Walgreens? And you came into a pharmacy and grew it from one store, knocked down a wall, expanded it, and now you also have four other, three other locations. Um, and so that's kind of one of the things we were talking about is how do we stop letting pharmacies go into the CVS and Walgreens hole and try and just help more pharmacists like you continue to grow and provide more clinical services to their communities? You know, I mentioned earlier that I'm going to have, what, 35 students in my store at some point this this year well about three years ago uh the head of the clinical division of the pharmacy school whatever her term anyway she came in from jackson down at the medical center in jackson she came up to see what we were doing here and not bragging but she was really impressed she said i can't believe that in holly springs mississippi that you've got all this stuff you're doing you know this is phenomenal Mm -hmm. and so you know, I thanked her and I said, you know, it's I, I, I have a passion for this. So before she left, she said, uh, what can we at the pharmacy school that I'm getting to, to, to I'm answering your question. It's taking me a while. But <laughs> what can we do at the pharmacy school 
to help you. And I said, send me more students. And I did, and I explained, I said, I don't want you to send me students so I'll have free help. I want to, students to see what can be done at an early age. Yep. So when they get out and they go to work for a Bob Lominick that's frustrated and tired and ready to throw in the towel, they can show him that there is a way of saving this store and let me do it. I actually have a student that graduated like a week ago that just let, she did a rotation with me two months ago and she peppered me with questions because she was, she landed a job during her rotation at an independent pharmacy close to me that the owner is 85 years old and is doing absolutely nothing other than filling prescriptions. And he has given her a green light to come in hmm. awesome. and make changes. So, so I can't that, wait do, do they, to do they have up. a good pharmacy system? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. But, but, but there's hope. We need to help out. I, I guess yep. the question so is: So we, we is go into student? Holly Springs soon? Yeah, we need to, we need to go <laughs> help them out. So yep. I guess I guess my question there is is in that is is that giving her an opportunity to buy that pharmacy? That's my point. That's yep. my point. Yeah, I wish <laughs> we could take all those people and seed them into yeah. So have some finances and seed them into these pharmacies that are thinking about hey, if you're thinking about doing this, hey, we're, we've got these super students. We're going to send you and and these students are super. I, I, and one of my biggest fears is they they won't. All these students, so their clinical knowledge is unbelievable. I mean, they're sharp. Mm-hmm. And, but there are only so many clinical positions available. And by default, they end up in the big box stores, and they're absolutely miserable. Right. They're not doing and they don't get there. use that. Yep. Yeah, they don't use their education. No, they're, they're, prescriptions. they're filling 600 prescriptions and working a Snickers bar into their line. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, wouldn't that be yeah. amazing if you could fill a program out where you sent those just to right. places with a two to three year plan of taking over well, the pharmacy. You know, and one of the things that, you know, we talked about this a little bit with Jordan, that pharmacy school has really embraced community pharmacy. You know, like when I came out of school, they told us like, Hey, you're probably going to go work in a big box store. Sorry. Right. And well, and you know, like we came out at, at UT, they were like, you know, we're a top three school. You're going to go work in a clinical setting. And if you don't want to do that, you're basically like, it's, retail or don't go work in independence they're dead right so that was kind of the the feel coming out and i thought that was true until i started working for pioneer yeah and starting to see another you know it always amazes me what all some of the colleges are doing mm-hmm. you know you, you're alumni you need to figure out how to do that for your Dude, i'm trying i'm working tried. on it so are you speaking at uh you teaching anything at ncpa in october i not yet uh okay. I, I will be there but i've I don't know. We, of course, being involved with CPSN, we'll have board meetings and stuff there. And, and I don't know. Uh, uh, we did. I, I was part of the fellowship program. The synchronization model was actually the first step, yep. which should should be. Yep. Uh, uh, so, I no, I don't. Not that I'm aware, not of. aware of. Well, I can't wait yeah. to see you um, on the, the fellowship program. Is that still did they repeat that or where is that fellowship program? The CPSN did a fellowship program where where people pay to. Um, that's that started in the fall of last year, so it's in its first year. Okay, fall uh, of last year. We, yeah, we actually have a pharmacist here that's participating in it. So, uh, uh, it, it started because uh, that's another think, way to build people who go right. into these stores. These people who want to, mm-hmm. we need to got a couple stores in mind to send them to. Right. Well, you know, and the other thing I was thinking about, you know, you you spend a lot of time talking about you know transformation, and a lot of that was you building culture. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can have a great MedSync program, but part of that, and Amina does a great job of this too. It, it sounds kind of callous at first when she's like, if they're not good, we get rid of them. Yep. You know, and like, 
teaching a class or something, kind of getting people spooled up to how you build that culture and how you maintain it, it's really, really important. So maybe we can get a building culture with Bob Lominick sometimes. Well, well, and, you know, and, and I, this is not a quote from Bob Lominick, but it's one that I truly believe in is, is leadership. Uh, to be an effective leader, it's for me to be an effective leader, it's not the accomplishments that I personally get, but it's what I get others to accomplish. Right. And that's what I believe in in my store is, is uh, you know, having that one-on-one with them and, and train them how to, to be a better person. Uh, the training that I care my techs, I want my techs to perform at a higher level, not just, you know, putting pills in a bottle, putting a label on it. And and we've been very successful with that. And, and I think the, the techs, my team, got I got a great team. You know, I got to brag on them. They're, they're very sincere and they love what they're doing. And based on like the students coming in and seeing that immediately, you know, it's, it's working. And so it's not what I accomplish, but it's what I get others to accomplish. How would you, um, are they accepting uh, fellows for next, when does the next year start? And are they taking applications now or do you know? I do not know, Jeff. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know whether it's too early yet or I wouldn't think so, but. Uh, Where would I go for more information? It, it, NCPA. Go to the NCPA's website? Okay. Yep, yep. 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 Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll make a note, get Jordan to check into that. She probably knows. I, I, I just thought we'd know. put that. If somebody saw that on the podcast and thought it's something interesting they might want to do, um, it's really awesome training and awesome opportunity for somebody that has the flexibility to do it. Well, you know, and again, going back to these pharmacies that, that um, and I'm going to say these pharmacies, pharmacy owners that are in a rut, uh, and Jordan laughs every time I say this, uh, the only difference in a rut and a grave is the depth. You know, they're in a, they're, <laughs> That's they're in a rut. That's pretty good. That is pretty good. They're, they're dying. They're right. dying. Mm-hmm. They just don't know it. So we've yep. got to somehow get get these people and train them that there is a better way, that what they're doing is just it's, it's not working. Uh, you know, don't use the same mindset to get you. Well, I forgot this, the quote that, you know, the same mindset that got you into these problems is not going to solve those problems. You got to think differently. Right. You know? So, uh, and I think that's what we as a profession and, and I love, again, I love training other store. I, it, I love sharing stuff, but I want other, I want other stores to be successful as a, as a network, as a group, we can be much stronger than a single Tyson drugs or a Mina store or Joe Moose's store or trip Logan singly. We, we you know, there's strength in numbers, and I just want everyone to understand that they, they independence that they can can do better. That's why I love the CPSN model so much. Yep, and they're growing, right? They're doing yep. really, I've been really, really proud of uh, the improvement in just the last year during COVID. So, and everybody else has other things on their mind. So, no telling how CPSN is going to grow in the next year. Yeah, I mean, just like other things, I hope this shows that things like CPSN are more necessary. Right. There's strength in numbers, but there's visibility in numbers, too. Well, and it's and we're looking at things differently. You know, I, I occasionally because I am on the USA board, I, I, I have, you know, vendors like, a, I don't know, a, a candy vendor come say, how can I get into all the CPS in stores? I said, wait, stop. That's not what we're yeah, all not about. What we do, right? <laughs> that's, not what, that's not what we do, you know. Uh-huh. And so uh, it's it's an interesting group, high performing pharmacies. That's. That's correct. Pharmacies that want to perform at a higher level, um, they need to be in CPSN. Yeah, you're like, no, at CPSN, we're trying to get people not to get the candy. 
So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's what we're about. Unless it's a Snickers bar. <laughs> Unless it's a Snickers bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, Good point. Okay. I like that. <laughs> Anything? I think we're about about wrapping up out of time. We're out of time, yeah. So. Well, I want to thank the folks at Pioneer. I'm going to put a plug in. You know, you guys have been great. I know, you know, Jeff, we, we you know, it's nice I'm not going to say that, but anyway, you're easily accessible to me, uh, and I appreciate that. You're you're open to ideas. You've used a lot of my ideas, you know, yep, and, and, absolutely. That's, and, that's, and that's great, and, and I appreciate that, you know, you guys are very forward-thinking, and I think we're going to have to be that to to survive and thrive, not just survive, but to, to thrive, and uh, I applaud what you guys are doing with Pioneer Rx. Yep. Well, thank you for that, and, and thank you for all that you've done to make Pioneer what it is. It's not... Uh, Hasn't been us. I, I still remember fond times of coming, you know, working on sync and coming, making a change and coming back in a month and making a change and coming back in a month. And, and they still got the death grip on the paper. And you're not going to make me get rid of my paper. And I'm like, no, when the paper's in, in your way, you're going to get rid of it yourself. Oh, I can remember you spending a week in my pharmacy. We had those baskets piled up everywhere. And, and the paperwork, like you said, it was just a mess. And I didn't know what your thought process was doing then and then what fast forward six months you guys came out with their where your synchronization program which you know I, I i i take credit that it's mine but y'all put it in your technology but uh and and you did the forward thinking the things you noticed in my store that have helped so many stores yep, uh, absolutely. going forward is, is was just, I was totally impressed. And, and we'd, still. we'd go away and we'd do stuff and we'd be so proud and we'd come back in the pharmacy and we'd look over the shoulders that they're doing it and we're going, why are we making them do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, did, why did they have to click three times do that? And then we kind of hold our head down a little bit and we'd go away and, and we'd do a little more. But we got there and, and I think we have a really good, really good solution to that we worked through together, so. Well, I honestly think the the Pioneer synchronization model is the best out there, uh, uh, and I, I guess I, I say that a little bit selfishly because I, I'd like to say, well, it's modeled after mine. That's, That's why right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, we we appreciate your time, and uh, can't wait to see you again. And and I, I we need to get the we we keep saying we need to get Holly Springs now that things have lightened up a little bit on it's the on whole my COVID, list. Holly Springs to, is on my list. We, we'll get there this year, so. Well, y'all, please do. I'd love to to show you the improvements we've made and get get your ideas and input. I mean, it's it's you know back to these people, these store owners from all over the nation coming in to to, to see me and charging for it, which I, I should, and and I will. Uh, but they don't realize that when these store owners come in here and they spend a day with me, they're learning something. But they don't realize I'm learning too. I'm mm-hmm. constantly peppering them with questions yep. and and like going to to meetings and all. I learn a lot out in the hallways from other yep, pharmacy yep. owners about what they're doing. You know, I learn a lot in the CE, of course, but learning, you know, we get in a, in that rut that I was talking about, think we're doing things the best it is. And then I get out and talk to people and I think, wow, I feel kind of stupid. I didn't realize you could do it that <laughs> way. So, so it's, we're constantly learning. I don't, if I don't feel like if I learn something in a day, uh, the day is wasted. Yep. Thank you so much for All joining right. us awesome. today. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. See you later, Bob. All right. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.